Well, good morning, Alliance family. I want to wish you a happy Mother's Day. You know, we often hear that being a child today is more difficult than when we were kids. We didn't have the same pressures and temptations and challenges that they face today. Well, if that's true, and well, I actually believe that it is, then it is also true that being a parent today is harder than it's ever been. I probably don't have to say that given the stay-at-home order, the homeschooling our children, no play dates, no organized sports, no parks, etc. Being a parent has always been difficult, never more so than now. And trying to keep up with the generation behind us, trying to appreciate their music and dress, which is always a little different than ours. I thought it was tough for my parents to deal with disco and the Bee Gees. We have to keep up with everything from pop to rap to heavy metal. Contemporary Christian music for parents, for my parents to monitor was Keith Green, the Imperials, and Petra. For, for us, for my kids, it was Five Iron Frenzy, Goaty Hook, or Plank Eye. For you, it's Need to Breathe, Switchfoot, Skillet, and Super Chick, or whatever else it is that you listen to. Yes, being a child or you today is difficult, as is being a parent. And one of the things that we know is that we are supposed to be involved in the lives of our children. But how are we to be involved and to what extent? I mean, being a helicopter parent is a real thing. We all agree that parents somehow have the ability, if involved, to make a difference in the lives of their children. One of the things that we hear about a lot is absentee parents and, and the negative impact. Uh, yes, of course. But if parental involvement is necessary, what kind should there be? Oh, and by the way, as a little aside, while doing some research, I found this assessment to help you determine if, in fact, you are ready to be a parent. They're called different things. The first is called the mess test. You are to smear peanut butter on the sofa and on the curtains. Now rub your hands in the wet flower bed from outside and rub on the walls on the inside. Cover the stains with crayons. Repeat. Place a fish stick behind the couch and leave it there all summer. The mess test. Next is the toy test. Obtain a 55-gallon drum of Legos. If Legos are unavailable, you may substitute roofing tacks or broken bottles. Have a friend spread them all over the house. Put on a blindfold. Try to walk to the bathroom or the kitchen. Do not scream as this could wake a child at night. Next is the dressing test. Obtain one large, unhappy, living octopus. Stuff it into a small net bag, making sure all uh, arms stay inside. Next is the feeding test. Obtain a large plastic milk jug. Fill halfway with water. Suspend from the ceiling with a stout cord. Start the jug swinging. Try to insert spoonfuls of soggy cereal, preferably Cheerios or Fruit Loops, into the mouth of the jug while pretending to be an airplane. Now dump the contents of the jug onto the floor. Next is the night test. Prepare by obtaining a small uh, cloth bag and fill it with 8 to 10 pounds of sand. Soak it thoroughly in water. At 8 p.m., begin to waltz and hum with the bag until 9 p.m. Lay down your bag and set your alarm for 
10 p.m. Pick, up, uh, pick it up, uh, I mean, get up, pick up your bag, and sing every song you've ever heard. Make up about a dozen more and sing these until 4 a.m. Set the alarm for 5 a.m., get up and make breakfast, keep this up for about five years, and look cheerful. Next is the physical test. I'm not going to read this one about women. Physical test for men. Go to the nearest drugstore. Set your wallet on the counter. Ask the clerk to help himself. Now proceed to the nearest food store. Go to the head office and arrange for your paycheck to be directly deposited to the store. Last but not least is the grocery store test. Borrow one or two animals. Goats are best and take them with you as you shop at the grocery store. Always keep them in sight and pay for anything they eat or damage. I do believe that it is tougher to be a child and a parent than ever before. But are there some timeless principles in the Word of God that would speak to, uh, to parents, to grandparents, to future parents, <laughs> and especially to children? Principles that transcend time and culture that are as applicable today as they were yesterday and will be tomorrow. I believe there are. Further, I believe being a parent today deserves special notice, special appreciation, and special encouragement. So this being Mother's Day, I thought we'd take a break from our study of 1 Peter. After all, the next text is addressed to elders, so I thought we would save that for next week. You see, the truth is we live in a society that does not much value the role of a mother. In fact, if we were honest, we'd have to say that kind of thinking has even infiltrated the church. That those who choose to be just a mother have something wrong with them. That they're not quite ambitious enough. They, that they haven't reached their full potential. That they're something less than, well, you know, those who are able to do something outside the home. So I want to do something about that today, and I want to value you as mothers. You may be a college graduate. You may be a college professor. That's wonderful. You, you may be a great salesperson or a great manager. That's fantastic. A great project manager, the best employee in the world. Or you may actually run your own business. That's marvelous. Wonderful. You may bring about world peace and solve global warming in your spare time. Great, but if you are a mother this morning, you have the most challenging and the most rewarding position that you will ever hold. I believe that, and I want to honor you for that. As I thought about what to share today, I thought about the fact that we often speak to mothers on Mother's Day, and I suppose that's appropriate, but I was in a church once where the pastor preached a well, a pretty strong message challenging mothers to be, quote, better moms. <laughs> Afterward, I heard a mother say to him, well, I didn't really expect to get beat up on Mother's Day. So I don't want to beat you up this morning. I want to build you up. And so I'll beat up your families instead. So this is what I want to do. Uh, most of us, I suppose, love our mothers, and most of us want to honor them. And most of us love our wives and want to cherish them for what and who they are to us and to our children. But let's be honest. Children, husbands, fathers, sometimes we forget. 
I want to challenge us, uh, challenge us today to remember. And so for the next few minutes, this will be my Mother's Day gift to you. To you, you don't have to corral the children that long. I want to talk to children. Children, if you are tuning in, I want you to listen. I want to talk to you. And I want to talk to husbands. That'll be pretty much everyone except moms. Moms, you can read a book. You may want to take notes in case someone forgets. Not that children or husbands are forgetful. In the book of Proverbs, chapter 31, at the end of the very end of the book, the the four last verses of the last chapter of the book, which is frankly, I suppose, the way a number of mothers feel, feel, always last in the line of importance. At the end of Proverbs 31, a wonderful description of what we call the virtuous woman is given, and we read these words. Her children rise up and bless her, her husband also, and he praises her, saying, speaking to her, many daughters have done nobly, but you excel them all. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her the product of her hands and let her works praise her in the gates. There is one thing I will say to you mothers today. A godly woman, the virtuous woman, when all is said and done, is the one who fears the Lord. No, she's not Wonder Woman. She's not Superwoman. She is not necessarily the one who can take Johnny to soccer and Sally to ballet, prepare Chateaubriand for dinner, keep the house tidy and neat with all laundry done, all while managing a Fortune 500 company on the side. No, rather, she is the one who puts God first in her heart. As my wife often says, at the end of the day, it is you and Jesus. And consequently, all things that she does for her family, for her husband, and for her children spring from a heart that fears the Lord, that follows him. If you want to be a good mother, if you want to be a good wife, work first on your relationship with Jesus Christ. It is of utmost importance. And as a result, the the virtuous woman, as she seeks to fear God, will see a response from her children, will see a response from her husband. And I want to talk about those responses. I want to remind us, children and husbands, of those responses. First, we see that, we read that her children rise up and bless her. What does it mean to bless your mother? Well, the word uh, bless means literally to bend the knee and speaks of bestowing praise or honor upon someone or something. Often we think of blessing God or him blessing us, not that he bows the knee to us, but of him blessing us, bestowing uh, honor or praise or blessing upon us. But we can also bless other people. What are some ways that you can rise up and bless your mother today? I've got four ways. First, you can honor her for who she is and what she has been in your life. Ephesians 6 says it very simply, Honor your father and mother. 
Now, let me clarify something. Some of you have had the kind of relationship with your mothers that, that would cause you to say, I could never do this. I could never honor her. I might respect her position as the one who bore me. I might do what she says, but I could never honor her. You need to hear me. You need to listen very carefully. We are not talking about perfection here. There has never been a perfect mother. Never from the very beginning of time. Eve herself raised Cain before she ever had her first son. (laughs) That is, she fell before she raised Cain. So she wasn't perfect. Even the blessed Virgin Mary as the mother of Jesus was not perfect. (laughs) Can you imagine what that was like? Being an imperfect mother raising a perfect son? (laughs) She actually came to see Jesus once to, to take him home because she thought he was crazy. You see, she wasn't perfect. Now, some of you have had had great mothers like me. Some of you have had less than stellar mothers. But but let's be honest, despite what uh, we see in pop psychology today, most of our mothers have had something positive, some positive influence in our lives, despite their frailties, despite their imperfections. And we are to honor, we are to bless them for that. Let me read something else to you that I came across. It's called the images of mother, and it goes like this. At four years of age, the little little one says, my mommy can do anything. At eight years of age, my mom knows a lot, a whole lot. Twelve years of age, my mother doesn't really know quite everything. Fourteen years of age, naturally, mother doesn't know that either. Sixteen years of age, mother, she's hopelessly old-fashioned. 18 years of age. That old woman, she's way out of date. 25 years of age. Well, she might know a little about about that. 35 years of age. Before we decide, let's get mom's opinion. 45 years of age. I wonder what mom would have thought about it. 65 years of age. I wish I could talk it over with mom. It takes some people a lifetime to recognize the role their mothers have played in the, uh, the role the mo- their mothers have played in their lives. I want to encourage you not to wait until you're 65. Do not wait until it's too late. Recognize her value and express your gratitude now. In other words, honor your mother. A second way that we can bless our mothers is to praise them. As I said earlier, inherent in the word bless is this idea of praise. Now, when we're talking about praise here, obviously, it's a little different than the word, uh, different than the praise that we give to God, to him and him alone, our praise is coupled with worship. But to praise another person is to extol his or her virtues. It's to recognize or make known their excellent qualities. So let me ask you a, a question, kids. When is the last time you expressed your appreciation for your mother, husbands, for your wives? The last time that you praised her for her excellent qualities. I didn't say perfect. I said excellent. See, we're we're very quick to talk about failures. We're quick, especially in a society that wants to find someone else to blame for, for all of our problems, as we talked about last week, to assign blame, especially to mom and dad. 
pay a psychiatrist enough and he'll even help you um, discover some hidden secret you never knew about that has scarred you for life, something your mom or your dad did that made you the mess that you are today. Now, I am not suggesting that there isn't uh, something uh, to repress memories, but we are far too often, uh, but we far too often are quick to blame, to tear down, and to highlight faults. And we are very slow to share praises. But can I encourage you today, and not just today on this one day out of the year, can I encourage us to look for things that are praiseworthy and to dwell on them and to share them and to vocalize them, to build one another up in a society that loves to tear people down, especially in a society that doesn't value the most important role a woman can have in fact, belittles it as just a mother. Your, your mother, your wife, can put up with a lot of belittling if she feels blessed by her children and by her husband. Think about it. Watch any sitcom today, and most of the humor is sarcasm, especially between family members, especially between husbands and wives, parents and children, and children and parents. I want to encourage you to not do that. Look for ways to bless each other, to build each other up. A third way that you can bless your mother today, and this goes for fathers as well, is to obey them. Now, obviously, I'm primarily talking to children still under their parents' roofs, those who haven't done the leaving and cleaving thing yet. Ephesians chapter 6 says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Uh, Paul wrote later in Colossians 3, children, be obedient to your parents <laughs> in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Now, the word obey there means just what it says. It literally means to carry out a set of orders. In other words, mom says to do something, and you should do it. We live in a world where disobedience to parents is the norm. Who was it? I think it was King uh, Henry VIII. Uh, no, no, not King, King Edward VIII. Before he, he came in, before he was king, he came and visited America. And he said one thing that impressed him about America was the way that child, uh, parents obey their children. It ought not be that way. Uh, we, we live in a world where disobedience to parents is the norm. Again, it is the subject of an awful lot of sitcoms and movies. There have been so many supposedly good movies that I have watched with my own children where the main character, a child, what they really needed was a good spanking. I know this is like being recorded. I'm not talking about abuse. I'm talking about a good hand to the, or a good belt to the rear. In those movies, parents are often portrayed as idiots. Paul warned us that this would happen in the last days, that difficult times would come. And while listing the things that make the end times difficult, things like, you know, men being lovers of, se of, their, of themselves, lovers of money, arrogant revilers, unholy, malicious, gossips, haters of good, brutal... That's a terrible list. He goes on to say that they will be disobedient to parents. Can you believe that made that list? Because you see, disobeying your parents is serious stuff. 
Now notice Paul said that children are to obey in all things. In other words, our obedience is to be complete. Not just when you feel like it, not just when you want to, even when you think it's sometimes unfair. You obey in all things. Obedience is complete. And Paul, I find this interesting, even answers the why question for us. You know what the why question is. Your parents tell you to do something and you say why. And every once in a while, what's the answer? Because I said so. Well, here is the answer to the why question. Because obedience to the Lord, obedience to the parents, and therefore to the Lord, is right. It is consistent with the law of God, as seen in the fifth commandment, and it therefore pleases the Lord. And by the way, while I mention the fifth commandment of the Ten Commandments, which speaks of, uh, of honoring your parents, have you ever noticed there is no expiration date on the fifth commandment? It's not like that you get to a certain point in life where you no longer have to honor your parents. That should happen for a lifetime. But, but why should you obey your parents? Because it is the right thing to do. The answer to the why question. And it pleases God when his children do what is right. You can bless your mother by honoring her, by praising her, by obeying her. And fourth, and the last one for children, let me tell you a fourth way that you can honor her. And this is for most of us who have grown up and have done the leaving and cleaving thing. We have older parents. This truth is found in 1 Timothy chapter 5. Now, very interestingly, Paul is writing to the pastor of the church in Ephesus, whose name is Timothy, and he's giving him some instructions about church order, things that ought to be done in the church. But when we get to chapter 5, he begins talking about older men and older women. I may fit that category today. In fact, he starts talking about widows in verse 3. And in verse 4, he says this, but if any widow has children or grandchildren, they must learn to practice in regard to their own family and to make some return to their parents for this is acceptable in the sight of God. What does that mean? Let me make it perfectly clear. In Paul's day, it was common for women to outlive their husbands often by many years. Many times these widows became destitute. Paul is instructing the church to take care of their Christian widows, to put them on the list of widows, to make sure that their needs are met. We ought to do that as a church. However, he says in the verse that we just read, if the widow has Christian children or grandchildren, it is their responsibility to take care of her. And it is in this context, by the way, that verse 8 says, but if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially those of his own household, he is denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. It is a Christian child, adult, it is a Christian child's responsibility to take care of their parents. How can he make such a strong statement? Because James 1 says that religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, taking care of orphans and widows. That, he says, is true religion. That is true faith. And taking care of your own mothers later in life is a test of true Christianity. And so may I 
uh, honor, may I take this moment to honor those of you who have taken care of your elderly parents, especially your elderly mothers. You have done a Christian thing. You have been biblical. And I, I encourage all of us to make some return to our parents when they need it. I know that my kids, many of them are, 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 are tuning in as I speak this morning. And I have one daughter particularly who is a nurse. And I expect her to take care of me when I'm old. Thought I'd just throw that in. You see, it's not about getting an inheritance. It is about trying in some way to pay them back. Last today, I want to take just a couple more minutes to turn our attention to husbands for just a moment. When a wife and a mother fears the Lord and is in the process of becoming, not perfectly, but becoming the virtuous woman of Proverbs 31, we read that her husband also will praise her. As I said already, to praise someone is to recognize and make known her excellent qualities. Notice the example in Proverbs 31. The husband says to the wife, Many daughters have done nobly, but you excel them all. To praise her is to build her up in this most important role. Now, I would point out that there are two times in this text that there are two times that we should be careful to praise our wives. First is when she is not around. (laughs) This is interesting. Men are known uh, for talking about their wives at work. It's what men do around the water cooler in very disparaging and very disrespectful ways. I said a few weeks ago, it just bugs me when a, wife, when a husband is speaking about his wife and he calls her the wife. I feel that's so disrespectful. But look at the end of the passage in Proverbs 31. The very last verse says this, and let her works praise her in the gates. The city gates were the water coolers of the day, where the men gathered to conduct business, to run the government, to discuss current events, to catch up on the latest gossip, we'll call it news, the latest news. Here's what you need to know. Women did not sit in the city gates. So when it says here, let her works praise her in the gates, it doesn't mean that she shows up to talk about herself. It means the husband was extolling her praises to those around her. As far as the Christian man is concerned, when he talks about his wife to others, he sings her praises, he does not magnify her faults. So first, the husband is to sing her praises when she is not around And last, second, he is to praise her when she is around. That is to her face. When when she is the one being spoken to. So when she is not around and when she's in her, I think that pretty much covers it all. We need to be careful to look our wives in the eyes and say, this is what I appreciate about you. This is what I praise you for. I thank God that he has given you to me for these reasons. In case you have not figured it out yet, men, our wives need encouragement in this most important of tasks. They need encouragement just like we do. So praise her so others hear it and so she hears it. We're so quick to be critical. Can I encourage us not to tear our wives down but to build them up?
We are to bless her. We are to honor her. We are to cherish and nurture her. And we are to praise her. I am suggesting this morning that the greatest gift that you can give to your mother, to your wife today, on this Mother's Day, is to let her know how much you love her.